0: They say sometimes you win some Sometimes you lose some Right now, right now I'm losing, man I stood on the stage night after night Minding the broken, it'll be alright. Right right now, oh, right now, I just can't. It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me.
1: Hey, good morning, Cypress Bible Church. So glad to have you here with us. Would you stand together? My name is Josh Stewart. It's so good to be here
0: today worshiping with you. I want to invite you to worship the Lord and we sing to the conquering King, Jesus Christ. Let's lift our voices and sing this together. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break. His broken hearts declare His praise For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Sing it out!
2: Our God is the
0: Lion, the Lion of Judah He's roaring with power and fighting our battles And every knee will bow before Him Our God is the Lion. Slain. For the sins of the world His blood breaks the chains Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb Every knee will bow before Him oh, yeah. Sing, open up the gates, lift your voice So open up the gates, make way King of peace, our God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is a lion, the lion of Judah, Israel. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. Oh, we believe. Every knee will bow and tongue confess that He is Lord. Who can stop? Sing it out. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Sing it together. Who can stop the Lord?
1: Can be seated as we continue.
2: Good morning and welcome. I'm Brian Carroll, Equipping Pastor. My privilege to welcome you here this morning. At Cypress Bible Church, we say, "Beginning where you are, becoming more like Jesus." And what that really means is wherever you're at in your journey with Jesus, we're glad that you're here, and we hope that we can help you take a step forward in that direction. We have three things that we focus on here at Cypress. The first is we gather for life-changing worship, and that's what we're here to do this morning. Second thing is, is that we grow through life-changing truth. We think that's best accomplished in a smaller group setting or in a smaller class. Lots of options we have here to do that at Cyprus. And then the last thing is go in life-changing mission. You and I carry that responsibility to take the good news of Jesus to people across the street and across the world. And so those are part of the values here at Cyprus Bible Church. Um, I do have one announcement. Those of you who did not receive the email or those of you who may be new this morning, our senior pastor, uh, Dr. John uh, Bukema, contracted... COVID. uh, And uh, so he is not here this morning, but he will be here uh, through screen this morning. And so we'll still have the same message, or it's not the same, but the message for today from John Bukema. But just want to let you know that he said the symptoms have been minimum. Him him and his wife were both vaccinated, and so they're minimum. And uh, he said that uh, Amy has not at all tested positive. So uh, they're hoping they'll be back here to worship with us all next week. Um, There are a couple of announcements I'd like to draw your attention to. Uh, The CBC app has just opened up. You can look up. Cypress Bible Church on either uh, the iPhone apps or on Google Play, and so we encourage you to do that, and that will help you, those of you who are regular attenders here, to get some inside information about Cypress, easy to navigate, easy to look around, and so we encourage you to do that. There will be a representative out in the uh, underneath the main window out there so that you can learn more about that, or if you have trouble uploading that up to your phone, or uh, you can stop out there to see them. Uh, CBC 101, uh, which was scheduled to meet this morning at 11 o'clock, is postponed for one week. Uh, John Bukema was in there last week, and anytime our practices, anytime a class has someone present in that the week, we skip a week just to make sure that we're not continuing the spread. Uh, mem- uh, uh, membership class will be on October Sunday, October 10th, uh, and so if you're ready or interested in learning more about taking that step, you can go out these doors to the left. There's a kiosk, and you can sign up, and we'll make sure that you get the information. It'll be on October 10th at 11 o'clock. And then finally, I'm really excited to announce on uh, uh, October 10th as well, we are going to start a new uh, initiative. It's a prayer initiative, and it's called Together We Pray. And uh, this particular time, it'll be a six-week event, or six-week uh, focus, and then we will have an event on Wednesday, November 17th. And the focus is really about all of us coming together to pray for our church and to pray for the ministries of our church and the impact of our church and our community as well. And there'll be, you'll hear more about that in the weeks to come, but we just want to get you aware of that is, is coming. And so that we would love to have you be a part of that. And we'll give you a little bit more information next week, and then we will start on October 10th. Before we continue in worship, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your grace. And Lord, we come this morning to worship you and to bring you honor and glory. Lord, we pray that you would meet us where we're at, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, and that we would, we would be uh, more holistically following you uh, more than we did when we walked in this room today. So thank you for Jesus, and we pray these things in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Well, my name is Josh Stewart. I have the privilege of being with you for a few weeks uh, here in the next few weeks, and I'm so excited to be with you today. Thank you for allowing me to come. I just want to brag on your team real quick. This is an incredible worship team that you have that's leading you week after week in the service. and uh, had a chance to talk with John way before he got COVID. So we were not in any interaction together when he uh, got that. But uh, John, what an incredible man of God. I love, have listened to these sermons through worship that he's been doing recently. Incredible. You guys are very blessed to have some great leadership here at the church. You know, we have a scripture passage that is very familiar with us that uh, many of us have memorized when we were kids. And the next song we're going to sing has a lot to do with this scripture passage, but it's John three sixteen. And it simply says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And it goes on in 17 to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I love that idea. And that's what this song really drives home. That when we come to the Lord... And when we come with our our self that is just bare before him and say, hey, here's all my faults, here's all my failures, he doesn't condemn us for that. He stands there with arms open wide saying, come, I want you to be a part of this fellowship. I want you to receive the grace and the love that I can offer you and come as you are and then allow God to change you. So as we worship and sing to this next song, I invite you to stand together with us and think about the greatness of God and the grace that he has for you.
0: Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, Come and thirst no more Come all you sinners Come find His mercy Come to the table He will satisfy Taste of His goodness Find what you're looking for For God's so love His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in Him will live forever. Bring all your fears, bring your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with. His one and only Son to save us whoever we- The cross, Jesus is waiting. God so loved the
1: world. Amen. Aren't you grateful for the love of God? I'm thankful for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. That's what this song is all about. He paid it all so that we didn't have to. Sing this out with Bonnie as she leads us on this. You can be seated for just a moment I invite you just to close your eyes And if you haven't had a chance to already this morning Just focus your attention on the Lord I know sometimes we can bring so many things into our worship experience Sometimes it's hard even just to get out of the door at the house to get here But the Lord has graced you with the opportunity to be here. And all of us today are here because he wants us to be here. There's something he wants to share with you, to say to you. And as we've been focusing on the gospel, on the message of Jesus Christ, and the power that he has to save, to heal, and to restore, I want you to look into your hearts for just a moment. is there an area that maybe the Holy Spirit is sharing with you right now? Hey, I know you've been trying to control this situation or figure out this problem on your own. Maybe the Holy Spirit's gently saying, I want to help you with that. If you feel Him prompting to do that, I just want to invite you to, to release that or to begin to release that because sometimes the next day we try to pick it right back up. Just to allow the Lord to take that burden from you. Maybe there's something, a real hard challenge you're walking through and you're just wondering when in the world is this going to end? The beauty of a relationship with Jesus is that he walks right alongside you through whatever you're going through. He's a very present help in time of need, Psalm 46 says. And so the promise is not that the bad things won't happen, but the promise is that when trials and tribulations come, Jesus is right there beside you, walking alongside you and also giving you the strength that you need and constantly shaping and maturing you through whatever struggle that might be. In our brains, it can feel like such an odd way to grow. But in his kingdom, going through suffering and trials is a way to grow and to come closer in our relationship with him. So maybe there's something in your life that you just need to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Please come into this situation and speak and move and do what you do. I guarantee you, when you let it go and give it to him, He won't drop it. He's right there. And as you reach those places, a natural response that wells up inside of you is gratitude, is thankfulness to a God who is sovereign over all and cares deeply about your specific situation. And we're drawn to praise. We're drawn to worship. So just take... A moment in silence. Think about the Lord. Think about his goodness to you. And then we'll continue. you stand together. Let's sing this out as Courtney leads us.
3: In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to (laughs) you <laughs>
1: right now. Let's sing that chorus again. And if you're comfortable, just lift your hands and praise to the King of Kings. Let's sing that out.
0: Praise Praise the the Father, Father. praise
3: the the Son. Son,
1: you our highest praise because we know you are so worthy of it. Lord, we love you and we give you ourselves today. Open our ears now to hear the word of the Lord as we hear Pastor John preach the message. And God, I pray that our hearts will be soft to move into what you would call us to do next. We love you. It's in the powerful and strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
4: Good morning. I wish I was in the same room with you, but maybe that can happen next week. Um, Just wanted to finish our series on acceptable worship today. And I thought it was very important to get to part seven. And uh, so I wanted to share with you this morning. Uh, There is a picture that's been going around on the internet for at least 10 years, and I want to show it to you here now. It's uh, supposedly a cat that's been found, and says, not very friendly, not housebroken. Well, you don't need to be a cat owner to see that's not a cat. Uh, It's a pretty angry possum. So uh, we can get off that picture for a second, but I just want to have you think for a moment about how mistaking one thing for another happens all the time. Happens all the time. And at CBC, we produce lives changed by Christ as we gather, grow, and go. And, and what does a life changed by Christ look like? We don't want to misidentify that. We, we don't want to mistake church attendance for becoming more like Jesus. Uh, we don't want to misidentify Bible knowledge as life change. Uh, we don't want to mistake a sermon or singing for genuine worship. Uh, You can worship by yourself. You can grow by yourself. You can go on mission by yourself. But that's not God's design. Uh, We need each other. We need the church. We need to gather together and carry out these values. So when you gather with other believers, what do you feel is indispensable or you can't worship? What are some things you think, this has to be there or I can't worship? I want to point out a few things that uh, people have told me through the years. At, uh, for instance, out of uh, the five services that we did at one church uh, every weekend, uh, one of them was this uh, was always this hard-driving, high-volume, rock-and-roll style. And one Sunday, uh, after years of that being the style, we had an 80-voice choir come in and lead worship or participate in worship. And, and uh, some people were irate about that. We didn't come to worship to listen to this stuff. That's not praising God. Uh, or another time... Somebody complained that, hey, there's strangers sitting in my pew and they wouldn't leave so I left. Or the time that there wasn't an American flag on the platform and, and I hadn't noticed that because I come to worship Jesus, not my country. And, and I got several angry messages about how that ruined the whole service for them. And, and, and they we better put the flag back or else. And then there was the time that Don, the organist, and Don, the drummer, played a, a duet together. And uh, there was a so we got a pipe organ and a and a full drum kit with singers on the song "Speechless." This was uh, years ago, and and frankly, it brought tears to my eyes. Uh, other people cried too, but for different reasons. Uh, that some people were pretty angry, and one family actually left the church because of that. Uh, now, I could give you a lot more examples, but I simply want you to think about what you consider to be indispensable to worship. Um, is it a style of music? Is it an order of service? Is it a certain instrument? Well, we're going to uh, look at an ancient record of worship in the Old Testament. I want to take you to Second Chronicles 29 this morning, and because there we're going to discover two characteristics of worship, two indispensable characteristics. And I think uh, they they might surprise you. These are things that if they don't happen in a Christian church, you would be justified in walking out. That's how indispensable they are. And after we go through the the text and those two indispensable qualities, then uh, I want to talk about what this means for us today, here and now. So our teaching is found in the story of a young man named Hezekiah. Uh he's not your average guy because he's royalty and uh Hezekiah becomes king uh, in Jerusalem when his father dies. So I want to take you to uh verse 29 of uh chapter 29 rather of 2nd Chronicles verse 1 uh, here we find the nation of Israel is at a spiritual low point. And Hezekiah's father had been unfaithful to God. Uh, he had put a stop to worship in the temple. He'd, he'd had, uh, false gods honored instead. But Hezekiah loved the Lord. And, uh, he followed in the footsteps of his great, 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 great grandfather. That's King David. And so now Hezekiah's king. And he resolved to, uh, to honor God. And he, he worked to restore corporate worship. He rehired all the worship leaders, he, the musicians, the maintenance crew, the, the preachers, and he ordered them to get themselves ready and to get the temple ready to, to worship God. And he explains why in verse 6. It says this, "...for our fathers have been unfaithful and have done evil in the sight of the Lord our God, and have forsaken him, and turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord, and have turned their backs." So there we have a nation that's disconnected from God, and, and it needed a change. And so Hezekiah initiated that work, and it took 16 days to do all that he commanded. And during that time, they repaired what was broken. They removed all evidence of false gods. They brought back the holy things. They purified everything for a worship service to come. Now, I, I know that uh, for years, the churches have sometimes named their service to describe it when they have multiple services. You know, this is the classic service, this is the contemporary service, this is the traditional service, whatever. I, I would call this service that happens in Second Chronicles the bloody, noisy, smelly service. And you'll see why. We come to verse 20 now. Then King Hezekiah arose early and assembled the princes of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, and seven male goats for a sin offering. They slaughtered the bulls, and the priest took the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. They also slaughtered the rams and sprinkled the blood on the altar. They slaughtered the lambs also and sprinkled the blood on the altar. Well, don't let that word sprinkle throw you off at all. These animals were butchered. And as the blood poured out, it was collected in a bowl and then drizzled on the altar as part of worship. Now, if you're a hunter, that's probably not going to bother you. If you're uh, uh, brought up on a farm, that probably won't bother you. But others of you might feel a little queasy over thinking about this. So let me apologize, but I need to make sure that you you get a picture of the scene. There's blood and gore everywhere. Uh, seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs. When they're alive, they make a lot of noise. Just imagine how how noisy and how messy it was when they were being slaughtered. But there's more. Verse 23. Then they brought the male goats of the sin offering before the king and the assembly, and they laid their hands on them. The priests slaughtered them and purged the altar with their blood to atone for all Israel. So the image here is that the uh, the sins of the people are being placed on these goats. So something had to die to pay for all their failures. And by placing their hands on the goats, the people said, God, we're sorry for what we've done. Accept this sacrifice. Forgive our sins. Cleanse our lives. And when you read the whole chapter, you discover there were 3,998 animals sacrificed for just this one worship service. There were so many that the priest couldn't handle the job. They had to call in help to, to do everything that was required. And that would include dealing with the carcasses after the animals were sacrificed. They, they, they had to be carried outside the temple area and burned. But as bizarre as all this seems, there are parallels for us. So I want you to look at this, this point that, that we understand from this passage, and that is this. Cleansing blood is indispensable to worship. What's indispensable? Cleansing blood. Cleansing blood. Without blood and cleansing, there can't be any true worship. All you have left without cleansing blood is entertainment or ritual. And that's because God requires a blood sacrifice. What changed from what we see in the Old Testament is that he provided the blood sacrifice for us once for all with Jesus. Those Bulls and goats had to be killed year after year because they could never take away sin. They could only cover it over for a little while. But the perfect Son of God was slaughtered. His blood poured out. And for those who put their trust in Him, our sins are washed away. Hebrews 10.10, wonderful verse, says that the sacrifice of Jesus makes us holy once for all. What beautiful truth. But you take out the cross and, and all you have left is a community event a concert, a, a pep rally, a TED Talk. That's all you've got if you take out the cross of Jesus. But through the blood of Jesus, we enjoy all the blessings of God. And that's where the, the cleansing comes from. As 1 John 1 7 says, the, the, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from every sin. The dirt that comes into our lives can only be dealt with through Him. And worship reminds us of our great need to come clean. We can't worship without doing so. Any worship service is just a big waste if if we don't use that time to confess the junk that's interrupting our connection with God. If we just look forward to some good music or or fellowship with friends or hearing something that inspires us, then, then we're not going to have worshiped. We've got to experience cleansing. Dear God, I fell short of your glory this week. I I was angry. I said things I shouldn't have when I didn't get my way. Lord, I've given time and attention to to everyone but you this week. Whatever that garbage is, confess it to God and know his forgiveness through Jesus. See, if you're not recognizing your need of the blood of Christ, if you're not recognizing your need for personal cleansing, then there is no worship. That's the first important point. Let's see what happens next. Verse 25. He then stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with harps, and with lyres. Uh, the, the Levites stood with the musical instruments of David, and the priests with trumpets. So you got cymbals, harps, and lyres mentioned, tr- trumpets as well. Uh, those are the instruments listed. I, there were likely others, because it says here, Hezekiah followed King David's procedure for musical worship. And that means there were 4,000 instrumentalists. That's First Chronicles 23.5. I doubt any of us have heard that many instruments playing together all at once. And harps and lyres, well, they're kind of a quiet instrument. Cymbals and trumpets, not so much. Take it from me as a trumpet player, played for years. Um, I m- once, when I, I think it was in high school, my, my dad. Uh, asked me to do something at the end of a Christmas Eve service. He said, I want you to be up in the balcony in the back through the whole service. And then at the end, as we're closing the Christmas Eve service, I want you to play joy to the world. And know that doesn't start. Joy to the... That's how it starts, right? And So I've got to hit that note from the beginning, and uh, I, through the whole Christmas Eve service, I'm basically thinking, I've got to stand up and blare out this note, which I did. I got to the end of the service. That was my signal. Boom! Joy to the... I was off a little, but... Um, it was frightening to people. No, I mean, nobody's expecting it. I, I'm looming over everyone, and I blat out the, the trumpet. People clutched their chests. I'm surprised no one died that day. One trumpet, very noisy. Imagine all those instruments, the, the amount of, of noise. It's going to be loud. So look at verse 27. Then Hezekiah gave the order to offer the burnt offering on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song to the Lord also began with the trumpets, accompanied by the instruments of David, king of Israel. So th- this offering they're talking about is the one where thousands of animals were, were sacrificed. And, and the types and the numbers of the animals are all listed in later on in the chapter. Uh, the, the burnt offering involved killing the animal, skinning the animal, cutting it up, arranging the pieces on the altar, and then setting it on fire. This was a sacrifice in honor of God. Look at verse 28. While the whole assembly worshipped, the singers also sang, and the trumpets sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. Now at the completion of the burnt offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed down and worshipped. So they sang praises with joy and bowed down and worshipped. So you just got to imagine all the distraction going on there. The the, the commotion, the odor, the sight, the sound, the smell. All these things are happening at the same time. And in this description, we see another important element of worship. Here's the second indispensable part. Here it is. Look at this. Sacrificial celebration is indispensable to worship. Not only cleansing blood, but sacrificial celebration. See, with our songs and music and offerings and respect, God is honored. Uh, when you come to worship, it involves celebration, whether it's loud or soft or both. Uh, we, we can't really keep quiet for an entire service unless we ignore Jesus, because yes, we need to mourn over our sin. Yes, we need to be still and know that he is God. But you know what? We're on the other side of the redemption story. That, that's the beautiful part. Jesus has come, and so the silence is broken. Jesus came, sacrificed his life, and rose from the grave, uh, and so the silence is broken. Jesus is alive, and so there is forgiveness. And that's to be celebrated with sound. Uh, Martin Luther, the the great uh, German theologian, once said that music drives away the devil. Now, I don't know how accurate that is, but uh, I like it. Because as God's people, we celebrate that sin and death and Satan have been defeated by Jesus. And so when you come to worship, uh, there's that celebration. There's also sacrifice that sacrifice that we offer to God is shown in the sacrifice of praise, Hebrews tells us. Um, with our lips, we rejoice and we give thanks to God. The sacrifice is our energy and our resources and our thoughts and our desires directed toward Him. Uh, we gather in the spirit of thanksgiving and sacrifice and offering. And let's say you were invited to a wedding, all right, and this isn't just any wedding. Let's say two of your closest friends are getting married. And and you go to the ceremony, you go to the reception, uh, and you don't bring a gift. And, and Because you think, my presence is gift enough. I, they should just be happy that I, I'm here. Uh, pretty egocentric, right? Well, when you come to worship, you must come to give. If your sacrifice is that you just decided to show up, and God should be pleased, that's pretty egocentric. You must enter with a sacrifice of praise. You must actively honor God with sacrifice, or you've not worshipped. You've only shown up to witness a function. Notice that worship here happened while the music played and after the music was over. That worship happened while the sacrifices were offered and when they were finished. That worship happened when the choir sang and when everybody sang and without anybody singing at all. What is worship? Well, it involves cleansing blood and sacrificial celebration. Whatever style of music that's used must point to the cleansing blood of Jesus, this being sacrificial celebration to God. But what does it mean to worship? Well, the word itself means to bow. But worship isn't simply about a position of the body. It's something that takes place in your mind and heart and attitude and spirit as you give respect to the one who is greater. You bow down before the one who made you and redeemed you and called you to be his own. Now remember what Hezekiah was was faced with. God had been ignored by his own people. Other priorities had taken his place. Other gods had been respected over him. And so Hezekiah came and cleaned house. He got rid of the other gods and he honored the Lord. He put God back up on the throne, on the pedestal where he belongs. Now before my uh, son-in-law Aaron began his legal career, he worked um, for a federal judge. He clerked for a federal judge in, in Cleveland, Ohio, And uh, one Saturday, uh, we were visiting, and Aaron gave us a tour of the the court building uh, there when nobody was around. It's a beautiful building overlooking the river, which wasn't burning at the time. And and Aaron's office was gorgeous. Uh, And and he took us into the judge's chambers, and and we saw his impressive desk and an incredible view of the city. We went into the courtroom, uh, completely empty, and there's the high bench where the judge sits and renders his verdict. And just imagine if I said, uh, you know, I'm going to stay here until Monday. And the judge came in and found me sitting uh, behind the bench in his seat. Well, oh, the bailiff or many bailiffs would, would come take me off of that pedestal because that's not my place. I don't belong there. I would have to be removed and the judge restored to his rightful position. The, the headline would read, Texas Pastor Disrespects Ohio Legal System. Um, but that, that didn't happen. But that gets us to the idea of what worship does. And, and I'm going to create my own word. I created it years ago. Create this word, kind of an odd word to, to describe it. So here it is in the, in the principle for what worship is. Look, look at this. Worship means you re-pedestalize God. Re-pedestalize God. You know, through the course of every day and every week, we can allow other things, other people, to take the place that only God deserves. You can even put your own self in that position. And worship involves pushing away whoever, whatever, has crawled into that seat that only God deserves, that that position, that pedestal, that throne. And it doesn't take much for your business to inch up onto the pedestal. Or or for your spouse, your children, your problems, your worries, your sports team, your collection, your passion for the outdoors, your degree, your job. Any and all of these things can take the high place in your life. It happens to all of us. Lately, maybe you've been spending a lot of time wishing that life was different. You're dissatisfied with the way things are. You want a better job, a better relationship, a better something. Whatever those desires are, right or wrong, it's easy for them to get up on the pedestal in our lives. And and as that goes up, your love for God and your desire for his will goes down. Your preferences, your priorities take the top spot. Your desires and goals become most important. And the song playing in your head becomes, it's all about me. And because of that battle, you must re-pedestalize God. You must bow down and lift him up. Sometimes it's your worries and And your fears that edge up on the pedestal. You know, will I make it? What what am I going to do? Will I have enough? What's going to happen next? Who's going to help me? And anxiety finds its way to the top. Now, rather than letting the peace of God guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, that anxiety takes over. And because of that struggle, you you must worship. You must re-pedestalize God, bow down, lift him up. Most often it's just life itself that, that ends up on the pedestal through a busy week, paying bills, keeping appointments, testing positive, fulfilling responsibilities, trying to find time to, to rest. There, there's a lot of clutter in our lives. And, and it's not that you, you might be idolizing any of that stuff. It's just that it gets in the way. And because of that mess, you must worship. You must pedestalize God, bow down, lift him up. It happens to all of us. And that's why genuine worship must be a regular part of our lives. That's why a true worship service has only God in Christ on center stage. To put the focus on anything or anyone else means we won't connect with God. We won't worship as we should. So no matter how good and worthy that other thing might be, nothing, no one, not mothers, fathers, music, social issues, relief efforts, or our country can be allowed in God's place. In worship, we remove Other things from the position that belongs to God alone. That's what worship does. That's what it needs to do. So it's time to bow down and lift him up. You know, maybe you haven't actually worshiped at all yet this morning. Whether or not you you sang or prayed or sacrificed, the question is, have you repedestalized God? Right now is your opportunity. Right now. Your ability to worship is not dependent on the song that we sing. Your ability to worship is not dependent on the instruments that are played. Worship has to do with your willingness to place the one true God back on the pedestal of your life, to push down the pretenders and deceivers, to topple the intruders and the diversions, to dethrone the obsessions and desires that have taken his place. Lift him high. Bow down low. Give him your praise and worship. Because that's what he made you to do. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, every single one of us who names the name of Jesus needs to do this today. That Worship you with our lives day in and day out. And particularly right now when we're gathered with your people. Uh, Lord, search our hearts by your spirit. Shine light on those things, those people, those circumstances. Which we have given too much attention or have become a distraction to you. Help us to take them down by the power of your Spirit and to put you in the place that you deserve for your glory and honor alone. Through Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, we want to take a moment to respond
1: in worship together. And so let me invite you to stand as we sing and respond. And you respond as the Lord leads in your heart. so glad that you came to worship with us today at cypress bible church i know uh, that there are seasons and times when um when the lord really wants to do something in your life and he's got your attention and i hope through this time of worship and this time of the pastor focusing on just what it means to really worship the lord that you have found that god is getting your attention He wants to bless you and show you the fullness of what it means to love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to leave you with a blessing today. It's been an honor to be with you. Uh, The blessing found in numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you peace this day and every day. Blessings, you have a wonderful morning. Thank you for coming.